Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki Master Energy Teacher, Medium, and author of the newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, which shares stories and messages from spirit that show us our challenges are not merely economic, political, or societal, but a disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. I am delighted to welcome the authors of Perception, Seeing is Not Believing, James and co-author Steph Purpura. Hello and welcome to Healing from Within, James. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. That is that is quite the repertoire of things that you do. You must be fairly busy. <laughs> it's good to be busy. I always tell people it's really good to be active, and all our challenges really are helping us uh, grow our energy and grow our perception and awareness of our higher consciousness or ability to create, which your book shows very clearly. Uh, so we'll go on to, you know, James, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware my special guests and I share intimate and insightful experiences, many which may be mystical or metaphysical content, which help us recognize that we are more than our physical being and that our inner intuitive soul nature, when utilized in combination with our ego-based mind reality, offer us unlimited potential for success in both the physical and energetic realms of experience. In today's episode of Healing from Within, James Purpura, who has experienced some of the most extreme moments life can offer and was an inmate struggling with life in solitary confinement, placed there as a result of his actions while homeless and addicted to drugs, will share how he developed a personal philosophy and once released, found his wife, Steph, and created a wonderful and amazing family and prosperous life and became inspired to share his knowledge with the world. Uh, Steph is also the co-author and a survivor of sexual abuse and an attempted suicide and went on to co-own a large software company and is now a co-founder of Powerful You along with James, and we may discover in this show how the human spirit deals with trauma and loss and overcomes it all to find real happiness. James, I always love to ask my amazing guests to think back to their childhood and try to remember a person, a place, or an event that may have signaled to them or others around them the interest and lifestyle they might embrace later on and how they would share their energy and their soul wisdom with the world. So go on to tell us something about your childhood. You know, that's really kind of uh, an interesting question because when I, was, yeah. when I was a child, I didn't have a lot of really positive role models. And so it's it's kind of difficult for me to think about, you know, who might have set me on that path. But, you know, there was a well, friend of mine. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Maybe one, maybe an experience or or a person, even in 
their negativity may have set you to know what was not right and what you would rather explore within yourself and give to the world. You know, our difficulties as children, our traumas, often set our soul in search of what we were born to do. So think back for a minute. Well, I mean, you know, the story that comes to mind is my kindergarten teacher. You know, for your listeners who are not familiar with my story, when I was in kindergarten, um, my teacher, I had some learning disabilities and things. And so on the first day, I was supposed to go to the special ed class. At least that's what they used to call it. Um, what happened was, is my teacher brought me up in front of the room and she said, special ed is only for kids that are stupid or retarded. Oh. You know, and I was, I stood there and I was shocked. And so I didn't really know how to react to that, that piece of feedback. But ultimately, this happened every day for the first year of my schooling. And so it really set a precedence inside of me. I mean, you know, here's a teacher, a person of authority telling you that you're stupid. You know, they're kind of the authority on the matter, so you, you get to believing them after a while. But the thing that did set, one thing that set the tone for was me always fighting for the underdog my whole life. Understanding that, you know, people um, oftentimes you know, get treated in a manner that's not conducive or true to, you know, who they are or what they represent. And so, you know, from that time forward, I've always been, you know, a fan of the underdog, the person who has been unfairly treated by any system. I'm the same way. What you really are is a spiritual warrior, and you had to have those experiences in your childhood so you could help yourself and other people to grow and develop. Now, I was a teacher in the New York City elementary schools, and I saw teachers who, because they had tenure, which is a lifetime ability to remain as teachers, even incompetent teachers were not fired. And I saw things that upset me greatly. I was also the last year of teaching, and that story pains me so deeply in my heart to think that nobody discovered this woman doing something so awful <laughs> beyond beyond yeah. a decent teacher, not even a decent soul, because there's nothing worse than to damage the heart and soul of anybody, but especially a child. So, so... Uh, people need to take responsibility for their productivity and, and and not stop producing just because they have tenure or a permanent license. And I, I really believe that's something wrong in our unions and in the way the schools are being run. And there are too many people uh, not up to the job and, and who are hurting children. And not only in schools, uh, but it goes for medical people. That goes for parents it goes for people who just not don't have enough acuity, enough ability to deal with the sensitivity of children's needs. So let's go on to your book and film or your story of transformation and describe how you and your wife, Steph, uh, both came from professional and personal bankruptcy, as you say it, to a life of success and service to others. And your book is designed to create 
a fundamental internal shift that redefines how readers think about their own experiences and reshape how they experience life with a new reality and thought process. So tell us something about this. Well, I think, you know, how our book and the movie are laid out is we show these childhood traumas that both of us, you know, occur. And then, you know, later in life, we show how we both kind of hit rock bottom. My wife had a failed suicide attempt. I ended up on drugs. And so I think that for a lot of people, their life doesn't make sense, right? It's like, how did I get here? And that's what it was like for me. But, you know, given what you've been through, your life makes perfect sense. That's what I tell people all the time. And so if you're willing to look at it with an open mind, you know, and examine, you know, the attributes of your life, you know, what you see is that the beliefs you adopt as a child, right, and you get the choice to adopt them, you know, play out as narratives or, you know, interpretations you have as an adult. And so what we do is we show a really clear line between the childhood abuse and the adult, um, you know, the, you know, the rock bottom incidents to say, you know, everything about your life makes perfect sense you know, if you put it in the right context. And so I think that people like to think like, well, you know, I, I don't know why my life is so hard. And it's like, well, actually, you know, you can get insights into that because, and this is what our book's about. When you think about, you know, seeing is not believing, which is what our book is called perception, seeing is not believing. There's a fundamental principle behind perception. And that's, you know, that you don't see reality. What you see is, you know, your belief system playing out. And so, you know, oftentimes I look at my life and I go, well, how did I end up in this jail cell? And it's like, well, you know, because I chose to believe things about myself that were not true. And it's so funny because people often go, but James, you were five years old and, you know, you didn't know better. And all those things are true. And they're like, don't do that to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. And I, I say to them, I'm like, don't take my power away. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, you know, we've all had things happen to us, right? And so it's yes. easy to say that teacher made me, right, believe that I was stupid. But in truth, it was my choice. Because you look at it and you go, if it was my teacher's fault or your abuser's fault, then you can never go back and change that because the abuse is never going to change. But if it was my fault, right, then I have the option of going back and changing the beliefs that I adopted. And so, yes, it wasn't right. No, the teacher shouldn't have done it and all those things. And no, I didn't know better not to think, believe those things, but I did choose into that narrative about myself. She offered me the choice I chose in and it was my choice that destroyed my life. It wasn't her actions. And, yeah, you know, in other words, James, it's not the outside world that's creating our reality or our happiness or unhappiness. It's our perception and how we see it. And we can change that because thoughts are very powerful and valuable. And in the book you write you wrote that your wife and you made a pact. Uh, to make sense of your past and rebuild your lives and use the law of attraction to bring the best into your life. So you you changed your reality by changing your thinking and your awareness of what happened to you uh, as not, you, you know, not being done to you, 
but maybe not having had enough information or training to be able to to say no to something at that point because uh, really some child might have said to that teacher why are you saying this to me I'm going to tell my mother you know someone might have said something well, I, like that and the teacher I might did have, tell my mom but she didn't do anything but you're right what you do say right? your mother had a problem and mm. wasn't able to help you but yes you tried you tried because you knew right. it was wrong but let's go on. It, you're right. It wasn't that incident. I'm only pointing that incident out for our listeners to know uh, that it's very important to treat people, children, uh, with with respect and love and not treat them with abuse because uh, you were treated with abuse and you didn't deserve that, of course. But it did make you the person you are. And the person who wrote this wonderful book and the person who has realized uh, that our thoughts are what create our, our powerful self to live either positively or negatively. So you learned a lot from that experience. So let's go on to, did you know that some people internalize their thoughts and others externalize theirs? Can you tell us something about that? Well, I think you've got to think about, like, you know, how you process information. And so if you're somebody who externalizes their thoughts, then generally you blame everything on the outside world, right? It's like they did this to me, the teacher did this to me, all those different things. If you're somebody who internalizes your thoughts, generally you blame everything on yourself. And so there's not much difference. One's not better than the other, other than the fact that somebody who internalizes their thoughts has a tendency to go darker much faster, right? And so, you know, oftentimes people who in their own lives are the people who internalize it. It's like they blame everything on themselves. Why was I not good enough, right? And it's just this internal narrative that drives them crazy. And the people who externalize their thoughts are the people who end up in, you know, prison and jail. Drug rehabs have kind of both. But, you know, you need to understand how you process information because, you know, chances are if if you internalize your thoughts, then you're heading to a dark place very quickly. And you have to be able to understand that it's not your fault in the way that you're thinking about it. And if you externalize your thought, you're blaming it on the outside world, and so there's an opportunity to take ownership for your part in things. And that's what most people don't get is like, you know, I always say that responsibility, you know, is the keys to power. And people are like, well, what does that mean? And I said, in every situation, right, it is your beliefs over time that got you into that situation. When you learn how to own the beliefs that got you into the situation, not the situation itself, because bad things do happen to good people, then you can prevent that from happening again in the future. Yes, absolutely. You know, as a kid, I really showed my emotions very quickly. If I was happy, you saw it. If I was angry, you saw it. If I was sad, you saw it. Because I'm an empath and a medium. So I've always been aware on some level, even before I truly understood it, that there's more to life than just our physical life. And what bothered me, I never blamed myself. I never really, I don't even think I ever felt the emotion of shame. I I didn't blame other people either. I was just very sad when grown-ups did the wrong thing. I just couldn't understand how they didn't know better. So that's that's how 
I processed information as a child, and I grew to know that I wanted to do the best I could to help people. So that was my motivation. And uh, uh, as spiritual beings having a physical life, I have learned that life is really not random. And most of the events in our life are designed by our inner being, our soul awareness, so it can give us experiences that eventually will refine our emotions and we can grow into more compassionate and loving beings. There's really no good or bad or right or wrong. There's only experience. And I think you've learned that. And I, I think you, you now see what happened as being, in a way, beneficial. Everything has a positive opportunity for us. Now, James, tell us, while in prison... You weren't there very long, I don't think. If there were any special people who may have influenced your transformation and uh, any experience that you were possibly negatively challenged by. Well, because I was in solitary confinement, there wasn't anybody that I had a lot of contact with. Uh, but what I did experience when, you know, you're talking through the door for the person next door is that, you know, the vast majority of people that were there were good people, Right. Yes. They just made a few couple wrong decisions, and from that, you know, they got into a place where, you know, they they felt like there was no turn. They couldn't get out. And so what I would say is, um, you know, it was interesting just meeting people and understanding and seeing their individual journeys. But, you know, there were a couple books that really had transformational properties on, on them. One of them was uh, the Ram Dass book, Be Here Now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that book had such a a transformation on me is because the internal world that Ram Dass experienced and expressed in that book was was way more interesting than anything I had experienced on the outside, and so that really started my journey of learning how to meditate and those types of things. Yes, and that brought you into a whole different understanding of energy and what life's really about and the possibilities for creating your best life. Now, why do you think we do not see ourselves as others see us? Why do you think that well, is? I mean, that's a great question, but, you know, it really comes down to, you know, our perception of ourselves, our perception of our value, who we think we are, those types of things. And, you know, the, I always tell people the first step to growth is always openness, right? You have to be able to see the world through different eyes. You have to be able to see yourself through different eyes. And that's where, that's kind of the key to transformation in my mind. You know, it's interesting because you asked me that question at the beginning when you said, you know, who really had an impact on you? And so I wanted to tell you a story because I think it's interesting and it's relevant. You know, shortly before I went to jail, I had the opportunity to sober up, and I found one of my old high school friends, and he had kind of a spiritual path, and, you know, neither of us believed much in anything before that, but I'd, I had the opportunity to spend some time at his house and at the beach, and, and I had a chance to sober up, but I remember one time, we were walking along the beach, and he said something to me that really had a profound effect on my healing. And what he said to me was, he goes, well... We were talking about a friend of mine who had OD'd, and I said, you know, it just disappoints me that this guy went to hell. And if he's going to hell, I'm going to hell. And, and he looked at me, and he goes, 
James, there is no hell. That is correct, by the way. <laughs> that is right, for all right, listeners correct. <laughs> right, but I had been brought up in a dogma that always talked about hell. I know, I know. But immediately I knew the truth in that statement, right? Yes. And by hearing it, when you hear the truth, you know it. Yeah. Right? It resonates. And it, that one statement, you know, being open to hear that one statement literally set me free. That's and beautiful. So, I don't think anyone ever on any of my many, many shows has ever expressed it that way. And it is the truth. When you know that some of the fearful things we've been taught are not reality, you are set free. And you can find your way to the greatness of your own being through that truth. I, I think that's wonderful. Now, you discuss in the book um, Neverland to the Matrix, the journey from Neverland to the Matrix. Can you tell us something about uh, Neverland, the fall, the oh, Matrix, no. the climb that you discuss so in remember, the book? Yeah, I remember one day I was watching one of my children play in the yard, and they had a stick in their hands, and they were twirling in a circle with a stick. And what I remember was I looked out and I thought, I don't remember what it feels like to be that free. What do I have to teach this human being? Because whatever he's doing right now is an experience that I don't remember having, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we call Neverland is it's the world that you lived in prior to, you know, that innocence of childhood being burst, the bubble of childhood being burst. And then you fall into what we call the matrix, right, which is mm -hmm. the world of perception, the world of lack, the world of all these things you know, what's true, what's not true, that sort of thing. And so... Yeah, you fall you know, into some just, cold, harsh realities, right? Right. Yeah. But what's true, right? And that's the point is that we adopt ideas and concepts that, that kind of send us in the wrong direction or the opposite direction of what's true, right? Yes. And I always like to say that if you've ever watched the movie The Matrix... I am. Life is really like Many times. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> Life is really like the Matrix, except reality is much more pleasant. The true reality is much more pleasant than the reality that we're currently stuck in. Yes. I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I've heard people say to me, life is harsh, life is difficult. I don't see, I see life and everything, even a challenging situation as an opportunity for something to be experienced and I when I was younger as I say I experienced a lot of pain because I saw people doing things to hurt other people or to hurt themselves and I didn't understand how they didn't know that there was a better way to approach everything happening and I have learned that each person's on their own journey and some of the people have to experience that hardship that that like you you had to experience that teacher you had experienced that short time uh, in solitary confinement because it helped you grow into such a wonderful soul who's able to express himself so so um, wonderfully really so let's go on to do some of us seem to be inherently negative and others external uh, eternally optimistic 
Does it seem to be like there's those two types of beings well, or people? Well, I think that it, I mean, I think that it does in a way. But yes. what most people don't realize is there's a choice. There's a there is a cost to pessimism, right? Yes. Which is because you don't see reality, your mind is making up reality as it goes. You're imposing a narrative on the world. And so when you choose a negative um, narrative, what happens is, is the upside is when you say that things are going to be terrible, life's hard, you get to be right because your life's going to be hard, right? Because you're imposing that narrative. Yes. And so what people don't realize is that, you know, the upside of pessimism is you probably get to be right, right? The downside is you have to be miserable in order to be right. And so, you know, it's beautiful because, you know, people always go, well, life is suffering. But the question people don't seem to ask themselves is, does it have to be? Does it have to be suffering? Does it have to be hard? And the answer is actually no. It doesn't have to be suffering. And no, it, if we, we allow, yes, we create this separatism. We think we're not uh, connected to each other, which we are by energy. And, and, and yes, and we, we create this loneliness. We're never alone. We haven't been alone from the minute that our little soul was born into this physical life. We have helpers all around us, both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. Uh, so, yes, it's attitude, it's perception, it's getting your emotions to work in a way uh, that allows and accepts and surrenders to whatever it is. Whatever it is. And you don't judge it as dark or bad or this. You just judge it as something your internal being needed. And what has been one of the most rewarding discoveries of your own life? You know, I think one of the... That's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. Um, I think it's exactly what you've been talking about. It's the limitless nature of who I am and what I'm capable of. Right? You know, it's the limitless nature of our souls. That, that there are no limits. No. You know, you can, you know, this is, I always tell people life's kind of like a video game, and what you don't get is, is you have this avatar. And when you go into a video game and you play a video game, you don't spend the whole time trying to stay alive. Mm. You play. Right? Oh, and that's so, a good thing that we'd like listeners to know. Maybe we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously. We should play a little more. We should see the joy and the beauty and the fun in life. And maybe there'll be more of it if we can do that. So we've never made a bad decision. You say this in the book. We've only made decisions on the basis of bad information and perhaps assumptions that we have been given through other people's fears and their own negativity, and we've taken it on ourselves. So, yes, the most rewarding discovery, I agree with you, is knowing the infinite potential we have to shine like the bright lights that we really are and the energy that we really are. So I want to thank you. James and your wife, who's not with us today, Steph, authors of Perception, showing us that it's no good asking what you need to do differently. Instead, you need to perceive differently. Perception is everything. And in this book, 
you and your wife lay out how to unlock our perceptions, change inner beliefs, and change behaviors. And you have spent years testing ideas, theories, and practices, and through trial and error, created a program that resulted in professional and personal success. To find out more about transforming your own perceptions, go to perceptionseeingisnotbelieving.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have learned the three keys that dictate how we create our lives through perception and assumption and our ability to recognize opportunities, make decisions, and take action. Through perception, though perception has evolved to do the opposite, it's not just your past that generates priorities. Perception's main priority is survival and your perception does not care if you are happy, successful, creative, or fulfilled. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to authors in the metaphysical, science, spiritual, educational, medical, psychology, and arts and music fields as they seek to understand the human and divine condition and learn greater compassion for self and others. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening.